Monday of game week, it's just different. It hits different. It feels different. It's uh, something that has been in my blood my whole life. So when you listen to Red Dirt music, it's like that last Rebel sound to me. It is a combination of uh, Southern rock and jazz and uh, bluegrass. And, and for Skip Bayless to come out and say, I don't feel bad for him and kind of belittle him and say, how dare you? How dare you as the leader of America's team show weakness? Honestly, I want to say what I want to say. This is the Sam Mays Podcast. Welcome. I'm Sam Mays. And joining me today via Zoom is former ESPN, Fox, Yahoo, and CBS sportscaster and founder of the movement I'm Changing the Narrative, Rachel Barbeau. Rachel? How are you? I am fantastic. I was uh, joking with you before we came on and said, I think that I win the best Zoom background, um, a la moving boxes. I used to have a fantastic background like you with all my lanyards and all my, uh, all my, you know, my things that I'd done. I called it my woe man cave. I love it. But I, <laughs> but I just moved to Florida. Uh, to Yulee, Florida, which is the home of Derek Henry. And um, so, yeah, so I win the, if anybody you've ever interviewed, I bet I win the best background. Look, I, I can relate to where you're at. I've just moved uh, two homes into one here just a few months ago. Moving is a big mess, but I really do appreciate your time. I feel like, uh, you know, the conversation that you've been having nationally with athletes around the country has been uh, inspiring to me and so many others. And I just feel like here, you know, to close out 2020, having an inspirational voice on the podcast would be pretty amazing. So um, I think probably where we need to start is maybe um, kind of give people a little idea of who you are. Now, Rachel, you work for CBS and ESPN and Fox, all the big boys as a sportscaster, but this movement that you started uh, is what I really want to talk about today. Thank you for that. Um, and, and I want to start by saying thank you genuinely from the bottom of my heart. Um, over the years of creating this movement, and I'll share what it is, I've had people say to me, you're not going to change anything, girl. Um, I've, had, I've had people say, uh, male sportscasters to me, um, boys will be boys. It is what it is. Uh, you're not going to change anything. It's just it's just different now because everything gets reported. And I even had one person say to me early on in the movement, on the air, I could not believe this. They said, do they even listen to you? Are they on their phones eating Skittles? And I'm thinking, what? And I'm getting ahead of myself. Um, but yeah, I was a sportscaster for 17 years. Sam, I never set out to break any barriers. I didn't. I was just trying to keep a roof over my head and afford ramen noodles, you know? Right. And um and somehow I became the first female host on Sirius XM on their college channels, a Heisman voter, hosted the college football playoff for five years, was a sideline reporter. But my heart, like you, my heart was in sports talk radio. There wasn't a ton of women in sports talk radio. Um, and so uh, I did that for, for, like I said, 17 years. And in 2016, I was doing shows that dark summer. I call it the dark summer of, of college football. And it was other things too, but particularly college football. And it was, if you went on CBS, ESPN, Fox, whatever it was, 
and you went on their website, it was negative, 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 negative news. It was on the heels of Penn State. Baylor was coming out. There were guys getting in trouble for sexual violence and domestic violence all over the country. And I, I remember backing up from my radio show. I just moved to Nashville at that time. And I remember backing up and, and crying and going, what has happened to the sport that I love? Because I know there are great guys that are playing and coaching, but the bad apples are stealing the headlines. And so, Sam, I was just audacious enough to believe four years ago that, that I could teach athletes to change the narrative, that you could trend for something positive. I also talked about what's your identity beyond athletics, because so many athletes, both male and female, have told me they go through major crises in their life because when their sport is over, they don't know who they are. Right. And that's both male and female athletes. And then I talked about my own experience with domestic violence. And then from there, over the four years, we've branched out to start talking about interpersonal relationships, dating, being a king or a queen every day of your life, like my shirt says. Um, and then also, most recently, self care and mental health. And we've been, uh, I have been, it's kind of the face of this movement. I have so many people behind the scenes that help me, but um, I've been to over 40 colleges. I've worked with Border Patrol. I spoke to a thousand police officers in the state of Alabama at the um, invitation of the Attorney General in October, and getting into prison ministry next year. Have digital programs for high schoolers. It's just insane where this is going. You know, I, I to give people a little inside look at what we're talking about here, in most college football programs in the month of August, you're going to get teams gathered on Mondays or Tuesdays when you don't have practice or any evenings to talk about issues, social issues, social media stuff. And I can honestly say out of all the years that I spent doing that, I can't remember one of those talks that was specifically for me, right? Um, you're hearing about, you know, no means no, and obviously they're trying to teach us the right things in regards to social media. But in order to, as far as discovering what's up with me and how I'm feeling and how are you handling this transition? And you would think like as a freshman, maybe this is something you would go through midway through your first semester. Like, how are you feeling? How are things going? How are you dealing with your new environment and not having your parents uh, with you? You know, I, 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 I have been guilty. I'm guilty of this. Like I am guilty of saying on live radio, I don't, I don't get too involved in recruiting because throughout the first summer, a lot of kids get broken buy it and they go home and it's not worth my time getting to know them until they start playing on the football field. Like I have that mentality as a football player. Like if you can't survive a year, why do I want to know you? Like I've said that, right? And the reality is why aren't those kids surviving their first year? Why are those kids having such issues in school? Why are those kids so, you know, withdrawn from the football team or from their coaches or having issues with uh, teachers or academic advisors? Like, those are the questions that we probably should be asking about our young men and women who we send to college who are the best among us, right? These kids are smart. They're athletic. They have goals. They've been working their whole life for, uh, for great things. And then we get them on campus and there's a little bit of a waiver and they start to fail or something happens to them and they just don't, they're not about the team, right? They're not easy to understand with or work with. And next thing you know, some coach is pushing him out the door saying, go back to wherever you're from, you know, go back to whatever town you're from. And then we never hear from them again. And then those tragic stories start to happen. Stories that you've heard a ton about in the last year. Yeah, Sam. Ooh, <laughs> there's so much to unpack there. Um, I believe um, we are at a place where it's critical. And I also believe I'm proud of the conversations, the narratives that have been coming out across the country, more people like yourself are willing to talk about mental health and self-care, are willing to talk about um, identity and, and what do I need, right? Before, 
there was this this kind of archaic belief, and it's the thing that I fight against so much. And when I when I talk to men, so I refer to men as kings because I believe there's a king inside of every one of us, or women as queens, or if you don't identify as either royal, um, but I believe there's greatness inside of you. And when I say to kings, as I say, I'm not mad at your granddaddy, and I'm not mad at your granddaddy's granddaddy's granddaddy or his granddaddy, but for a lot of men, including coaches, right? There's this idea that's been passed down that um, that you can't show emotion, that you need to man up, shut up, put some dirt on it, keep moving, damn sure don't show emotion, right? And and that idea, Sam, is killing young men across this country. And whether it's actual suicide or whether it's a slow death day by day because they're wearing the mask, we say take off the mask in the movement pre-COVID, not your COVID mask. And, um, and, and so... Yeah, that's what we're doing right now. That's what's happening. There's a there's a worldwide movement afoot, particularly in this country as well, where we are destigmatizing uh, mental health and where it becomes okay to talk about young Sam. You got on campus. How are you doing? Are you lonely? Are you homesick? Are you anxious? Are you depressed? Sam, are you sleeping well? Sam, how are you eating? Sam, do you need to talk to somebody? Right. And so I train coaches and players how to do that, how to have uncomfortable uh, conversations. I say the most magic and healing comes from being uncomfortable. So that's the first thing that, that I think needed to be unpacked from what you said. And the second is, we are now, in, in my movement, we're also now exploring what happens to a player when he's done with school, okay? Um, we have a young man, um, and he's amazing. His name is Trey. He went to, to ECU. He's one of my first Kings. I encountered him and met him in 2017. I stayed close to him. Like I do many of my, my athletes across the country. I've been to his wedding, um, drove eight hours to his That's wedding. Awesome. And he is coming on now as a pal, which is a player alignment liaison. What is that? We're going to start a national database across the country so that players stop falling through the cracks. I'm going to teach coaches. I'm working with a coach. I don't know if he wants me to say his name yet. We're gonna, I asked him, I said, how many of your players do you keep up with? Be honest with me, coach. And he said, the ones that keep up with me. Wow. And I said, that, that's a problem. We need to have an accountability tree. We need to make sure that in the case of Deronia Wilson at Mississippi State, a very talented player, just two or three years post leaving school, he's murdered in Birmingham, right? We, we, and, and, and Trey, it, it's amazing. He was telling, he was talking and, and, and actually trained him to also be a speaker under I'm Changing the Narrative, but he was telling us the story of so many of his teammates ended up in armed robbery, drugs, going back to the places, bad things, going back to places where, you know, things that got him in trouble, right? Guys with degrees, guys with leaders on the team because they slipped through the cracks, Sam. So there's so much reform to be done, both in the mind, the heart, the soul, and also in the way that we treat our athletes, both when they get to campus, but also when they leave campus. I'll never forget New Year's Day. Um, I was watching, I can't think of the year right now, but Darren Williams was a teammate of mine at Oklahoma State, cornerback for the Denver Broncos. He was a second round draft pick, a kid that had the world uh, where he wanted it, right? Uh, Darren was from an area that was a little bit rough around the edges. And I wake up New Year's Day and I see his picture on the television. And without even hearing the audio, I knew that Darren had been killed. And I knew it had something to do with gang violence or some sort of violence in a place that he probably never should have been. And I think it's, it's those men who are in, at the next level. You know, the dream has come true for them that I find even more intriguing as far as where their mental health is. Kids that have now been not given, but have earned millions of dollars and it's in their bank account. They have these lavish homes and great cars. And then they go to bed at night and they 
they don't know what to do with themselves. They don't know how to handle the money, the change in lifestyle. They know how to handle the league in itself, the media. Now it's this this crazed female presence in their life that is unlike anything they've ever experienced before. There's so much, I don't know what to do with myself. And guess what we're all taught? Don't ever mention it. You put on this face, you act like you know what you're doing, and you try to figure it out on the fly. And that's who I had been my entire life, essentially. And probably until like the last year, like quarantine made me take a look inside at myself, right? COVID made me take a look inside at myself and think, God, I got way more to say. And there's kids out there just like me who have been trained, you know, with this armor on their body just to be the toughest, biggest, baddest, you know what in the room. And then they just, they completely overlook this other part of themselves that also needs to be trained and developed, right? And I think that's probably one of those things that if I get anything from you, it's it's the tool conversation. Like you're helping kids get tools to actually deal with some of the things that they're that they're dealing with and not just tuck it away and hide it away and push it away. So five years later, when the lights turn off, right? And the crowd noise is not there and you're by yourself in your home and you're thinking, what do I do now? Well, Rachel's giving kids tools to think, I, I know exactly what I'm doing now. You hit the nail on the head. Um, and this is why we liked each other so much and hit it off so quickly and felt like best friends just sitting in a press box. But, but I say, you have never been so strong. You have never been so masculine. You have never been so attractive as when you say, I don't have tools in my toolbox to be able to deal with this, right? right. Um, holding it in is only going to kill you and it's going to kill your relationship. It's going to kill the relationship with your coaches. It's going to, it's going to affect every other part of your life, but letting it go. I had one player that said to me, he said, you know, Miss Rachel, you told me Kings do hard things. I teach Kings run and Queens run to burning buildings instead of away from burning buildings. Burning buildings can be people too. As a matter of fact, we've reached out to the young man in Texas who attacked the, um, who attacked the referee yes. and got arrested. We haven't made contact. Yes. We, we, Sam, we've, we've called the school board. We've called the school. We're, we're next thing we're going to do is call the jail. I mean, because we run two burning buildings instead of a way we don't discard people, right. For, for making decisions. And that doesn't mean they don't have to suffer the, the consequences, but we want to find out why you're troubled. And so this one King said to me, well, Rachel, you said Kings do hard things. And he said, um, I'm sorry. He said, uh, this gets me every time. He said, I was so inspired that I picked up the phone and called my deadbeat dad. Oh, wow. And he said, I, I, um, I, I didn't want to be anything like him. And he said, but I recognize in a lot of ways I was turning out just like him. And he said, I picked up the phone and I called him and I said, I forgive you. And he said, I feel like a two-ton weight was lifted off my chest and I can now be the man that I was created to be. And I tell coaches all the time, don't you think that young man ran faster in practice? Don't you think he watched film better? Don't you think his grade shot up? Don't you think his relationships got better? Yes, because he wasn't caring. We call it in the movement, funky jump. It wasn't weighing him down. And when I speak to men particularly, I use this example. I say, if this were my toolbox and, I, and I, I'm in the, 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 the garage and I'm tooling around and I need an Allen wrench to complete the job, right? If, if I don't have an Allen wrench, I go get an Allen wrench. It's the same thing with mental health. If I've been struggling with it, Sam, for a long time and it, it's not working, I can't fix it, I can't make it better, nothing's making it better, then I go get an Allen wrench. And sometimes for people, an Allen wrench is it's not the first thing going, you know, a lot of players will tell me, they'll say, well, I'm not going to go straight to therapy, but I'll talk to coach first. Right. Or I'll talk to a teammate first, right? That might be the first step. Then you as a teammate, I teach the teammates and the coaches, 
to hold your hand, hold that guy's hand and hold him accountable. We call it checking them, check them with love, make sure that they got to the therapist, make sure they're okay. Um, and so there's so many facets of it, but particularly for men, I break it down in a way that is really, um, it's concrete. You know, you don't have the tool, go get the tool, Sam. I think there's, there's something to be said about 2020 and this new crop of coaches that we have coming into college football. I have a very unique look here in the state of Oklahoma of two totally different sides of the spectrum, right? Mike Gundy is very old school in the way he approaches things. He blamed liberalism for the problems they're having with kids in college football today uh, just a year ago. On the flip side, Lincoln Riley is embracing first, right? Embracing them first, letting them know, hey, we're, we're here for you. We're on your team. You know, this is, this is not a a uh, a monarchy, right? This is all of us. It's one voice, but it's all of our voices at one time. And you could just tell from the time that kids get to campus and the time that they leave years later, right? Whether it's the NFL or jobs that they're doing, they're still engaged. They're still connected to Coach Riley, that staff, and that program. I think that, they're, you know, from a recruitment standpoint, the kids have changed so much and in ways like this where they are a little bit more emotional and they are letting people know how they feel. Like this, this, this 16-, 17-year-old, 18-year-old, and I think some of these coaches are recognizing some of the things that you're saying and understanding that maybe my team being built off of love and understanding and yeah. and, and a positive yeah. energy is better than this this iron, you know, this Third Reich feel of looming over your organization where, you know, the kids feel like they work for you, like they are uh, indentured servants. Like the only thing that you care about is whether they're making tackles or making blocks or catching touchdown passes. I think that day and age is drifting away. Now there's some hanging hangers on for sure, but man, I'm, I feel like at least we're getting some young men in coaching positions today that understand that there's just way more to being a football player than just a game of football. Preach Sam. Preach. Uh, ooh, um, you are spot on. And it, and, and, and it, the pendulum needed to switch. To, to swing back this way, but right now you can't be a you can't be a racist and be a coach. Right. You can't be a, a, a totalitarian. You can't be the dictator. You can't because guess what? Players are going to talk about it on social media. Absolutely. They're going to leave your program. They're going to transfer out. What you I always said this, and I've said this for years, even before I, I started this movement, is if you got skeletons in the closet, baby, and you're a coach, you need to you need to fix that, clean that, own it, whatever it is. And here's another thing for coaches that are listening that I find uh, really, really helpful for coaches. If a coach will get real with their players, and I mean take off the mask, and tell your players something that was meant to kill you but didn't. Tell them how you survived. Tell them what you went through. Tell them about, you know, your life, right? If you'll get real with your players, it invites them to get real with with you in a way that just all the barriers fall down. I um last summer there was um a particular incident where where coach Harbaugh at Michigan ended up in the in the press about mental health and everybody was jumping on him and jumping on him and I was leaving church Sam and I I was about to send a tweet and then you know Jesus for me I paused and I was like wait a minute I was like let's be constructive here and I said hey coach Harbaugh I'd never spoken at Michigan you know and uh I had not interviewed him on Sirius in all those years which is kind of crazy but um, I said, hey, Coach Harbaugh, I have learned a lot in my three years being on the road with I'm changing the narrative about mental health. Um, I would love to teach you what I know, and I would love to learn from you. Well, you know, all of a sudden, I think it was like five, ten minutes later, he follows me, 
on social media. Then he DMs me. Then he calls me that afternoon and we talked for like two hours. And he said, what do you want, Rachel? And I said, I genuinely want to learn from you and you to learn from me. And I said, I'll pay my way up there. I was already speaking at Western Michigan. So I just made a little detour. That day, he allowed me to go into a room. I had no clue this was going to happen. And, um, and, and I go into a room and all of a sudden it's all the coaches and I'm leading the meeting. Wow. I got to lead the meeting, Sam. And I got to teach coaches just what I taught you, just what I taught the people that are listening to your podcast, but take off your mask, hangers on, women, what's going on, dating, the things that I'm hearing from their players that maybe they're not comfortable telling their coaches. And, you know, to my left here is Dandy Don Brown. You know, I'm like, what the, you know, I'm like, this is insane. And he's taking notes on stuff I'm saying. I mean, if there ever was like a pinch me moment, like that was definitely one of them. Yeah. As far as um, the COVID conversation goes, you know, I, I find it, um, and this is me being a, a sportscaster and me doing a radio show and me being a former All-American, you know, I, I think always move forward. I think work harder, find a way to succeed, find a way to get it done. COVID has offered all of us challenges, athletes, non-athletes, men, women, children. You know, I feel so bad for uh, the ninth grader right now who starts their high school career in homeschooled, right? Homeschooling themselves. These guys, they're like office workers now. Like everybody has yeah. been impacted yeah. by this. I'm very interested to know how many coaches out there are checking up on their kids' mental health. Because you know, just as well as I do, there's some kid in the back of the bus on the way to the airport for a road game who is thinking COVID-19, who is thinking I don't want that virus, who is thinking I can't believe I'm traveling around during these things. Like we act like these dudes just do what they're told and no one's having thoughts of their own. Well, we're all having thoughts of our own. I wonder how, you know, you feel, I, I hope, let me say this. I hope that kids are being evaluated through this process that people are being spoken to. Yeah, I, um, uh, absolutely. I, I hope that. And the other thing that, that, uh, that I'll tell you is, I think coaches, if, if you're not, right, like if you're not, you, there's a problem. There's a, there's a major problem if you're not. Uh, again, I think where we are in the grand scheme of things, Sam, um, you have to check up on your, your players' mental health. Now, let me be real. You know, I'm, I've always kept it real in my career, and I'm going to keep it real with you. Some coaches have me in and programs have me in to check the box. Okay? Absolutely. It's a, it looks good. And those are, I, I'm not at the point where I'm ready to call them out. Um, but these are the same coaches that their players are begging me in private messages. Come back, come back. We want you back. Come back. I send those messages to the coach and cricket. Okay. It's, it's disgusting. It really is. Like when multiple players are begging you back, that is definitely not the norm. There's just a few of those. Most places I've been, I go back to Oregon. Um, going back to Clemson next year, long-standing relationship with LSU, you know, um, just different places, SIU, Rochester, Buffalo, um, a ton of places have me back. But I, I would say um, now more than ever, not only skeletons in the closet, not only being, a, if you're a closet racist, you have to do that because I tell coaches all the time, I don't, I don't want to scare you. I'm not doing scare tactics here, but I'm trying to help you and give you tools and just be another voice and, and help you and give, and be a resource. Look, I've had three players call me in the middle of the night, three players that were thinking of committing suicide. We got some immediate help. We called the school. They're all in counseling. They're all alive. They're all thriving. I don't know why they, they called me and didn't call somebody on the coaching staff, but they did. 
And so what I tell coaches is, please listen to me. Please let me help you. Please let me be a resource because I don't want you to get that phone call in the middle of the night. Right. God, God forbid I don't want you to get that phone call in the middle of the night. And COVID is definitely exacerbating everything, right? Like I, you know, I had, a, I was all over the country, supposed to be all over the country in April. And I watched, I was in Texas at Texas Tech and I watched my speaking engagements go, boop, 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 cancel, 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 right? And um, I thought about quitting the movement. I'm not going to lie to you. I'm going to be real myself because I felt so defeated. But then I said, do people need you? Yes. Now more than ever. Yes. So I became the best damn Zoom speaker there ever was. Sam, I mean, I can, you think I'm like, you know, a firecracker in person, man, on Zoom. Like when I'm, you know, it's like, I feel like I've run three marathons back to back. And because I know people need me and those COVID fears are real. But like you said, it's also forced a lot of us to look at ourselves, look at our practices, look at our habits, look at what we do. Um, and and I said to to athletes all over the country and people, I said, I'm not coming out of COVID the same person that went in. Right. Because if I do, I've lost the lesson. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, you are absolutely taking the uh, some steps to help other people get this information. Obviously, you can't travel as much as you used to. Hopefully, by next year, this time, we're having conversations about you getting back out to campuses. But tell me about this this e-course, five-week e-course uh, that you've come up with. Yeah, Sam, thank you so much. Um, I am so pumped. For four years, people have asked me, can I see your talk to uh, to Buffalo? Can I see your talk to Baylor? Can I see your talk to Alabama? Can I come? Well, no. And I don't mean to be mean, but what happens on those meeting room floors is sacred. And um, and I don't – so I've never put out my talks publicly. And whether that's right or wrong – It's right. Something – thank you. Yeah. It's, it's what felt right in my spirit. And something happens that's very intimate on those meeting room floors. And it's not for Joe Q fan to absorb. And it's just not. And But people have asked me, I want what you're teaching. I want what you're teaching. And recently in the past two years, I started speaking to churches and corporations and those things. But I said, I'm, you know, I've never put this out. And really for me as a believer during during COVID, I had some, you know, some really deep conversations with, with God. And he was like, man, you know, he didn't call me ma'am. But he was like, Rachel, people need this now more than ever. Absolutely. And you put it out there. And, you know, I had people around me, Sam, that were like, you need to price it at $1,997. I'm like, no, no. I am um, cry again, man. But I was like, people are hurting. People are in food lines. People, people need diapers. Right. You know, people are hurting. And I'm like, I want to make this affordable. And so I made the whole thing $47. And, um, and each, you get a week and you get a little module and there's a life guide. And then that week I go live in the Facebook group. And, um, and then we talk and I give you an opportunity to go live and we talk about relationships, taking off the mask and what was meant to kill you, but made you stronger and your story. And if you build it, they will come how to build your own personal. I'm changing the narrative, whatever that is, whether that's going to be a passion project on the side or whether you're going to leave that job you hate that you've been miserable in and you're going to finally go for it in 2021. Right. And so it's really amazing. And if anybody wants more information, just any of my socials, you can follow me or I'm the letter I, the letter M, changingthenarrative.org and go under programs and blueprints. 
Rachel, thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate it. You are an inspiration uh, and somebody I think that's really having an impact in college football, college athletics around the world. And as far as men and women is concerned, and I'm just telling you as somebody who has been through uh, this life and understands what it is and someone who's trying to figure it out now at 38 years old, uh, I, for one, am happy that my 18-year-old counterpoint your part has, has you in their life now. So thank you. And Sam, may I say this um, before we end? Again, I, I can't thank you enough um, for being the kind of king, for being a king and being willing to say, here I am. Here's what I've been through. I'm taking off my mask, right? We say hashtag destroy perfect. You know, I, I've, I've relieved myself from the albatross of, of, of perfection. Right. I realize now my imperfections have drawn more people to me than my perfections ever did. My struggles have drawn more people to me than my than my, you know, my highs ever did. And so I tell kids all the time and, and people of all ages, I say, there's, there's, a, there's a story in your pain. There's a purpose in your pain. And if you're bold enough to share it with somebody, there's somebody in your path that needs to hear what you have to say. And it could save a life. And so I just want to say thank you um, because I've seen all kinds since starting this. I have seen friends of mine in the media that have never even, never thought about having me on, never thought about talking about this. Um, but then I have people like you that are like, let me write about you. Let me get you on my show. Let's talk about this. This is so needed. And it starts with people like you. So so more than anything, I just want to say thank you from the bottom of my heart. That's amazing. Thank you. God bless you, Rachel. And uh, happy holidays. Yeah, absolutely. You too, my friend. All right. Bye-bye. The Sam Mays Podcast is a production of P-Squared Media.